1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the Lord has really been dealing with me uh, about this. Been working on this message in particular for a couple of weeks now. But it's been speaking to me really, really strong about what I'm going to share with you today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. When you have it, stand up on your feet for me one more time. Like we always say, our notes are in the church app. Feel free to go and look at those or go back and look at them later. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Rather lengthy passage this morning, but for context, it's important. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 12. We're going to read down to verse 27. It says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit... We were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free. We've all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, then where would the smelling be? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he is pleased. And if they were all one member, then where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our present presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, then all members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. I pray that you speak to our hearts. Give us ears to hear and a heart to receive everything that you have for us today. In Jesus' holy name. And everyone said, Amen. You can be seated this morning. Turn around to somebody real quick and just tell them good morning. We're glad that you're here today. Um, As I mentioned a moment ago, we started just a couple of weeks ago a series at the beginning of the new year entitled Holy Habits. And we have been determining to look at spiritual disciplines in our life that would help us in the new year, in our discipleship, in our searching after God, and growing in our faith. And we looked at the scriptures and the importance of scripture. We've, we've looked at fasting and prayer, and, and uh, we're going to look at another aspect next week. But this morning, I want to talk to you about the importance of belonging to the church. The importance of belonging to the church. Now you say, Pastor, that's kind of funny because you're preaching to a room full of people who are in church. Well, let me just tell you something. It is entirely possible to sit on the pew and not be connected. Come on, somebody. And so this morning, I want to help you reach your full potential in Christ 
with this message. And so I've entitled this, if you're a note taker, if you like notes, if you like titles, I'm going to give you this title this morning, Some Assembly Required. Some Assembly Required. You know, one of the most dreaded toys of all parents and grandparents alike that your children could love to play with are Legos. Your sanctification has never been tested so much than when you turn a corner in the darkness of the night in your home and the, and the, and the arch of your foot catches a Lego. It's pretty, pretty harsh. There, listen, I, I don't curse. The Lord delivered me, but every time that's happened, I hear the devil on one shoulder. You know, the devil and the angel that come on the cartoons, and they're, they're, they're tempting you. Those, those words, I start hearing things that are not godly, and I have to suppress that down because it's, it's terrible. But I, I used to buy those for Adam when he was young, and, and also uh, we had friends that loved us so much. They were like, you know, they called me. One of our friends, they said, you know, I'm really tired of all these Legos at my house. We want to send them to you. All righty then. So it's like Christmas early times three because he had a big box full of Legos. And still to this day, we have totes and totes full of Legos. And, and so a lot of them we didn't buy. But there were times where we would hit Walmart or something like that. We'd hit that, that toy aisle or whatever. And there would be a Lego a package, a kit with this big, beautiful picture on the front of it. And they make them in all different genres. You can get Star Wars Legos. You can get all different types of Legos that have castles, race cars, and all of that stuff. But, but here's what I want you to know. What you see on the cover of that box is not what's inside. <laughs> because down below, there's a little bitty, small, read the fine print instruction, and it says this, some assembly is required. It's a Lego. It is full of possibilities. There are opportunities that abound for each piece of this Lego collection to come together and make something beautiful. However, when they are disjointed and disconnected, all they are, don't miss this, is a pile of potential. All they are are a pile of potential. It is not until... Each carefully crafted piece of the Lego is put together that it is fully operative and, and, and operating in the intended design of its creator. Come on, somebody. I don't know if you're picking up what I'm putting down this morning, but what I'm trying to say is this, is that God has created you to be connected. He doesn't just want you to be a piece. He wants you to be a part he wants you to be a part of the body of Christ. He wants you to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. Now today you may be sitting here and you say, Pastor, well, the church as a whole is the body of Christ. And you're, you're not wrong. You're correct. 
people say that when they want to run from accountability, they want to run from authority, or anything like that, and so they try to disconnect themselves and build their own kingdoms outside of the framework of what God had designed them for. See, here's what you've got to understand. The church was Jesus's idea. The book of Acts was written about the establishment of the church. He put the 12 apostles as the early church founders, missionaries, and church planners. They were the forerunners to go into the regions and start the churches that you and I read about in the Bible. Outside of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the other, uh, the other scriptures, other passages in the New Testament, the other books, are either written to pastors, written for pastors, or written to the church directly. Come on, somebody. Now, you have Acts, which is the formation of the church. Romans was written to the church at Rome. Galatians was written to the church at Galatia by Paul. Ephesians was written to the church at Ephesus by Paul, which, by the way, Timothy, which there's two books by his name, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. Both of those books were written to the pastor of the church at Ephesus. His name was Timothy. Uh, then when you get into uh, some of the other books, you get into like the book of Revelation, for example. Revelation chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 were written to the seven churches of Asia Minor. Here's what I want you to see. These are specific churches in specific locations with specific leadership. What that means is when you look at the totality of Scripture, when you look at the pattern of Scripture, when you look at God's plan, God's desire for the individual members of the body of Christ is to be connected to the church. Are you with me this morning? I want you to know this morning that I am thankful for the church. I'm thankful for the church. It's because of the church that my life is not ruined. It's because of the church that my direction in life has reached where it is. It's because of the church that I'm able to stand here today and be your pastor. You see, there was a time... When I was 14 years old, 13, 14 years old, and I was a young zealot for the Lord, I was raised in church and had a great pastor. My parents divorced and ended up moving. And when I was 13 years old, God baptized me in the Holy Spirit and at age 14 called me to preach the gospel. Powerful. It's one of those things that, you know, I had this revelation I didn't ask for it didn't pursue that call I didn't have a grandma telling me you're going to be a preacher one day but I was asleep one day in a bed when I have a dream about hell and I wake up to a voice saying I've called you to preach the gospel well I'm telling you something you, when something like that happens to you you can't deny it. So here's what happened. Let me give you the, the, the Cliff Notes version. I became 
one of the most zealous people that you would have ever known. I thought I knew it all. Couldn't be corrected. Thought I was God's gift to the world. You laugh, it's true. It caused me to backslide when I was 16 years old because I had, I had a, a passion as wide as the world but roots as deep as a centimeter. Because I was called, but I had not truly submitted my life to the leadership of a local shepherd. I was attending church, but I wasn't really connected. Fast forward a little bit, 18 years old, give my life back to Christ, had a crazy rededication story. My wife gave her life to, to Christ for the first time, and, and uh, God put us in a church I wanted to run for ministry so much. In fact, I was just happy to be, be back in God's good graces. Didn't even think about ministry. Just, we're going to go to church, I'm going to work a job, and we're going to live for Christ. That's what my plan was. I may not even get to my notes today. Is that okay? That was my plan. I was just going to serve God and be what God has, has called me to be. I was going to be a tither. I was going to help my pastor. I was going to play on the praise team. I used to play like Tyler back here on the drums every single Sunday and Wednesday night. We were there every time the door was open. And then all of a sudden, God got a hold of me again. Started dealing with me about ministry. You see, what we got to understand is the Scripture tells us that the gifts... And the callings of God are without repentance. What that means is, is that you may die not fulfilling God's plan for your life, but he never changes his mind about it. So God began to deal with me about ministry. And, and unbeknownst to me, I didn't know it at that time. I felt that pride start rising back up. Thank God he put us in a church with a good pastor. I begged that pastor, let me preach. I've got a word. It's burning in my heart. He saw right through it. He saw the fact that I was just an 18-and-a-half-year-old, arrogant young person. He recognized the call on my life. But he understood that my desire was to be seen and applauded more than it was to be obedient and available. So here's what he did. He pulled me aside. He said, you feel like you got a message, huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm on the edge of my seat. I feel like he's getting ready to let me preach, man. I'm excited about it. He said, all right. Four o'clock this afternoon. Why don't you take the church van and sweep it out? Wash it. And then when you're done at about 530, why don't you go to the SAYS South Arkansas Youth Services Detention Center and preach to those kids because they need a word from God. Externally, I was smiling. Inside, I was scowling. 
Each week, I was making appointments, come sit in his office. Wanted to tell him all of the cool revelation I had and all of the spiritual stuff I've experienced and, and this and that and this and that. And I think, you, I think I'm ready. You know, you know, you know the, the player that's been sidelined in a game? You know, I think I'm ready. Coach, put me in. But he recognized I wasn't ready. So he said, you know, we got a big outreach at the church this next week. And I'm thinking, yeah, you need me to speak at it? He said, no, Pastor Frank's going to speak at it. That was our associate pastor. But he said, you know, I've just got him so busy this week, he doesn't have time to cut his grass. You think you can do that? Again, externally, I was smiling. Inside, I was scowling. But let me tell you what happened. Because I submitted my life to the ministry of the local church and, their, and the pastor, he was able, with the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God, to just lop off those branches from my life. I'm thoroughly convinced that had I rebelled, see, people, people say they're submitted to leadership until their leadership tells them to do something that they don't like, and that really proves how submitted you are. Submit means to come under a mission. That's what it means. Now, people in America don't like being told what to do. Now, here's what you've got to understand. My pastor wasn't telling me to do anything illegal. He wasn't telling me to do anything that was contrary to the Word of God. He was just hurting my pride a little bit. And some people have so much pride in their lives that that's why God can't use them. Because they're not submitted to anybody. Paul deals with this in 1 Corinthians in our text. In, in chapter 1, 2, and 3, he, he said, I hear that there's schism among you. And this one's saying, well, I follow Paul, and I follow Apollos, and I only do what they say. And then there's these other people, they say, well, we follow Christ. Here's the interpretation of that. I ain't listening to nobody but Jesus. And the problem is, is Jesus was the one who put Paul in place. Jesus was the one who put Apollos in place. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because I wholeheartedly believe in the ministry of the local church. It taught me how to serve. It taught me how to give. It taught me how to have the right motive. And when the time was right, I got a phone call. And my pastor said... You know what? You're ready. We had a new, a new pastor in our church right around that time. There was a change. There was a transition. But we had stayed connected. And I said, Pastor, what do you think? He said, do it. The very first church we ever went to, quote, unquote, on staff, was bivocational. It was 58 miles from my house one way. I was working a job in an aluminum factory uh, 10 hours a day most week, Monday through Friday, when they were seriously in overtime, we might do six and a half or, or even an eight-hour shift on Saturday. We would drive there, sleep in the back of the church to a church that had 20 people. 
And of that 20, a couple of them were us. A couple of years ago, prior to this, I wouldn't have even considered doing it because I had too much pride. But when you allow the Lord to shape those prideful edges off of your life, He can use you for His kingdom and for His glory. That's what we're endeavoring to do with young people called into ministry. That's what we're endeavoring to do with them uh, uh, fulfilling the call of God on their life. But listen, you can't receive the benefit if you're not connected. Everybody say connected. Let me get back to this just for a moment. I, I feel like I need to hit some of these highlight areas. See, God created the body. God created it. And it's no, no um, mistake that he used the illustration of the body in dealing with the church at Corinth. There is one body, one head, one heart, two lungs, two kidneys, a pancreas, a gallbladder. We don't know why he put those two in there since they can remove them and you don't need them, but hallelujah. Two eyes, two ears, one nose, two nostrils, one mouth. On a normal hand, ten fingers, and on two hands, ten fingers, and two feet, ten toes. God created the body with such wonder, mystery, and significance. And he uses this passage to try to bring unity to the church at Corinth to tell them that the body needs to be connected. I want to look at our text real quick. Specifically, this passage deals with unity and spiritual gifts and diversity in the church, but Paul is writing to a singular local church here, and so the context does apply. But I want you to look at this with me. First of all, Paul addresses our unity in the body of Christ. That's found in verse 12 through verse 14. Paul says, we are many members, but I am one. We are one body. Many members, but one body. That kind of kills the argument that says, I don't need the church. Listen, even if you decide not to come to this church, you need the church. You need the church. You need to be belonging to a body of believers that can help you function and grow and develop into what God has called you to be. You're a piece of the church. The toe is no good unless it's connected to the foot. The arm is no good unless it's connected to the shoulder joint. If you, not to be morbid this morning, but take my arm and cut it off and lay it on a dresser. What good is it going to do? It's disconnected itself from the life of the body. It can get no signal from the brain, from the spinal column. It can get none of those impulses that God designed it to get because it is by itself. God has designed us to be a piece of the church, but collectively the church together when we come up and meet with one another. Here's the second one. Are you ready for this? We'll go quickly. He shows us about our diversity. This is found in verse 15. He says, if a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. 
therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, am I not therefore part of the body? And then Paul goes on to say this. He says, if, if everything was an eye, then where would the hearing be? And if everything was hearing, then where would the smelling be? You know what that tells me? God did not make us to all be the same. God did not make us all to be the same. Our functions are very different. They're different. The function of an eye is different than that of an ear. One sees and one smells. And so people may say, well, I'm just a pinky toe in God's kingdom, Pastor. I just don't feel that significant. Well, wait, wait, you've never had a pinky toe amp- amputated before. I know friends who have lost toes and whatnot to diabetes, and they'll tell you that the pinky toe actually stabilizes the foot. Seems pretty important to me. Yeah, you can learn to get along without it, but that's not God's original design. We all have a different function. Our functions are different. In the body of Christ, there are different levels of gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, Jesus himself gave governmental gifts to the church. And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. These are church leadership gifts. Then in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, God gives um, the ministry of helps. He gives gifts. There are gifts. He gives generosity and encouragement along with other things. And then the Holy Spirit gives the body gifts. To some, the working of wisdom. The word of wisdoms, to some the word of knowledge, to some the gift of tongues, to other diverse types of tongues, to some prophecy. But they all work, Paul said, by the same Spirit. We all have different leanings in our life that God has placed on the inside of us to help and equip the body of Christ. So there's two things. First of all, number one, just because you're different doesn't mean you're insignificant. Just because you're different doesn't mean you're insignificant. Also, your reward in the kingdom of God will be based on what you did with what God gave you. Some of you got to stop worrying about how God's using me with my gift. And some of you have to stop worrying about the other person's gift. And you need to look in the mirror and say, am I using my gift? Come on, somebody. Can I tell you something? The gift of criticism is not the 10th gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not in there. God gives us gifts. And the reason why he gives you gifts, are you ready for this? It's because other people need your gift. They need it. They they need it. 
They need you to participate in the process. Here's the third thing. You ready for this? I'm going quickly because I, I need to cover this today. It's found in verse 18. Love this. But now, God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Number three, I want you to look at this. I want to look at our placement. God places the members in the body as he pleases. Y'all ready for this? This is heavy. If you're trying to fit somewhere and you're not fitting, maybe God didn't place you there. And I got a word for somebody. That's okay. At the end of the day, it's okay as long as you find out where you fit. But if you keep trying to place a round peg in a square hole, you're going to tear up the, the, the peg and you're going to tear up the board that's supposed to be placing the pegs. It's important for us to know how God has gifted us, how God has created us, and where he's placed us in the body. It's important. Moving on quickly, here's number three, number four rather. It's found in verse 19. Notice this. Paul said, and if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. Notice this, but God composed the body having given greater honor to the part which lacks it. Here's number four. We need to look at our dependency. God's created the body to be dependent on one another. Dependent on one another. Everybody say dependent. We know this in the natural. Because as I expressed a moment ago, a hand amputated from an arm does not work. A leg amputated from the body does not work. If you take somebody and, and they sever their spinal cord and, and it, it's broken in two, then it, the, the body's paralyzed and it doesn't work like it should. What that means is that whether we like it or not, we're all dependent on each other. If you call Woodward First Assembly your church, God has things that he has placed inside of you to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Are you hearing me? God has given you abilities, talents, gifts for you to use in some way, some shape, some form, some fashion. Here's what I need you to know. If we were all the same, it would be awfully boring. I don't know about how you feel about yourself, but one of me is about all I can handle. Listen, I need your gift. As your pastor, I need your gift. You need my gift. And my gift is not the same as your gift. 
somebody on this side of the room needs somebody's gift on this side of the room. So God has created us with a dependency upon each other. So I'm asking you, I want to ask you a question today. It's a rhetorical question, so don't answer out loud. But if you call yourself a part, this is your church home, and you come week in and week out, week in and week out, and you've not yet joined the church, my question to you is this, why? Why? Has God called you just to be a recipient and not a giver? Meaning your gifts, your talents, your abilities. Let me tell you something. The Dead Sea is different than every other sea in Israel. Why? Because it receives in, but it never gives out. Your spiritual life will never be what God created it to be until you are both giving and receiving. Are you with me this morning? This is heavy. Here's my question. If you call yourself a part of First Assembly and you don't come to prayer, my question is, why not? Wednesday night, why not? Volunteering your time, why not? It's not a shameful message this morning, but I am asking you to search your heart you know why? Because there are people that need your gift. We can't minister to boys and girls, Miss Lynette, Steve, on Wednesday night if some people are not willing to use their gift. We can't have volunteers in Miss Beverly's area or in Pastor Sally's area if somebody is not willing to use their gift. We, we can't have media team and have stuff on the internet, which, by the way, we reach more people on Sunday morning outside of our church than we do inside. That's just on Facebook. It's not even on YouTube. We average reaching between two and 300 people that watch our service every week on Facebook. Couldn't happen. Somebody wouldn't use their gift. But don't miss this. The only way you can use your gift, are you ready, is if you show up. <laughs> Babe Ruth said this, the loudest boos come from the cheapest seats. People who don't pay a price always have the loudest things to say. Here's what I'm telling you today. I know this is somber. There's a prophetic thing on me today. I don't know what it is, but here's, here's what I'm telling you. There is ministry that God has ordained to go forth out of this house, but it will be hindered if people don't get connected. They don't get connected. Here's my last thought. Somebody say, thank God. Number five. I want to look at our commitment. Verse 24 reads like this. We're going to read 24 down through 27. Paul says this. He says, but our presentable parts have no need, but God has composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, so that there should be no schism. Everybody say schism. In the body, 
but that the members should have the same care one for another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, then all the members rejoice with it. Now notice this. He says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So it's when we come together with the, with the crew that we have joined ourselves to that we become a part of the body of Christ. Now I want you to think about this. Our commitment to each other. This is why I'm, I'm about to get to something. This is why it's important to go and be a part of the local church. Are you ready for this? Paul writes and he says, when one member of the body hurts, the rest of the body hurt. When one rejoices, the other rejoices. Let me tell you something. When you're part of the body of Christ, God designed scientifically and spiritually for the body to heal itself. If an infection rises up in your body, healthy bodies produce white blood cells, your leukocytes begin to go up, uh, your body starts all type of immunoresponses, your healthy cells begin to surround the bad cells and start trying to, to take care of it. That's why when you cut yourself on your finger and you're bleeding, uh, in a day or two, it's going to scab over, and then you won't even realize it, but uh, eventually that scab is going to fall off, and there's going to be brand new skin. This is a healthy working body. That's what's going to happen. God designed the body to work that way. So one of the joys of being a part of a local church and actually being connected to the church is that, man, when you go through things, we go through it together. When people in our church go through divorce, and it happens, I hurt with them. I hurt for their kids. I hurt for their families. I hurt for the things that, that, that they're going through. And many of you, you're connected to them. And, and because they go to your small group and because they're a part of your life and you're ministering to them, you feel the same effects. See, God has not designed any of us to do life alone. He wants us to be connected. He doesn't want us to be like the isolated Lego who is a pile of potential. He wants us to be connected so that he can make something beautiful. I watch time and time again when members of the body hurt. They're experiencing death, pain, loss, sorrow, tragedy, house fires, loss of jobs, loss of children, you name it. Seeing the body heal. There are also times where there are irritants in the body that don't belong there, foreign objects. So the cells come around it, begin to fester it and isolate it so that it can be removed. See, the body is an interesting thing. See, our first response should be to minister to the hurting part. But then notice this. But if they rejoice, we should also rejoice. You know, when you succeed, we all succeed. When you get a victory, we all get a victory. You know why? That's how family works. 
Amen. So don't despise your brother or your sister because they seem to be doing better than you. Because God's using them, presumably, more than you. Why? Because that's not how we're supposed to do. Parable of the prodigal son, there's two sons in that passage. And that, that story is not even really about the prodigal son as much as it is the elder brother. Snubbing his nose at how the father was receiving and blessing this one who didn't deserve it. Because, Father, I have done all this stuff. I never left, I never leave, I never left, and here you are giving him a new coat, new ring, new shoes, and here I am standing here beating my self-righteous chest. But what did the father say? You've always been in the house, and you've always had access to all of my stuff. What am I trying to say? When you see God blessing somebody else, you better rejoice and be happy about it because you're a part of the family. And if your father can do it for them, then he can do it for you. And we need to learn to celebrate other people's victories. And it's nobody's fault that your insecurity won't let you rejoice at the celebration and victory of other people. God is wanting us to lift up and encourage the body of Christ. And when they get a well done, we need to give them a well done. Are you with me? Why did I say all that? Because I fervently believe, Darren, I'm closing. I fervently believe in the local church. I believe, and listen, my wife will tell you, I believe like this before I was in this spot. My children, all they've known is ministry. But there was a day we didn't have kids. We were in church driving to states and going to revivals and camp meetings and of course you know when you get kids and stuff that responsibilities change and you can't do as much of that but but I love the church the church I love the ministries of the church I love the fact that we have people that minister to our children I love the fact that people minister to our teenagers. I love the fact that people say, Pastor, I'll open up my home. I'll, I'll, I'll have a small group that's part of our church. I love the fact that people say, I'll get plugged in on Wednesday nights. Because listen, I'm just going to tell you, if you're missing Wednesday nights for any other reason aside from work, you're missing discipleship. Discipleship. You can't get discipleship in a room this big, but our crew is small enough on Wednesday night. We can slow down and really teach some stuff. You're missing an opportunity. So in the new year, I'm asking you to get another holy habit in your belt and solidify your faithfulness to the church, a church, this is not where you belong. Get where you're supposed to be belong. You say, Pastor, I cannot believe you said that. The last thing I want is something that's not supposed to be with me. Because, listen, when Jonah was on them people's boat, it was not well for anybody. Amen? But I'm big enough to understand that I'm not the shepherd. I'm just an under-shepherd. 
But no matter where you get, get connected. Everybody say connected. Because connected is where you grow. Connected is where you're developed. Connected is where you get deployed. God loves the local church. And here's the last thing. You ready for this? Close your Bible. I'm done. Stand up on your feet. Here's the last thing. Not only did Jesus birth the church, number two, you ready for this? He's coming back for the church. 